What up, guys? All right, today I have Dr. Trevor Cates in the house. Guys, she is an absolute incredible hormone expert here to explain how our hormones have an incredible impact on so many different areas. So for instance, if you have acne, if you're bloating, if you have mood swings, if you've got low energy, if you suffer from PMS, insomnia, or anything like that, guys, but Dr. Kate explains how all of that can be a huge, big red flag as signs that your hormones are totally freaking out of whack. And so she helps us and breaks down how on earth we can harmonize our hormones in order to have clean, glowing, youthful skin. She breaks down how our hormones impact how we feel about ourselves and as a result, how we show up in our relationships, our careers and every avenue. She's the host of Women's Doctor Podcast and the Doctor Series Hormones, Health and Harmony. And today, guys, we break down the power of hormones, how we reset and restore our body so that we can get our hormones back on track. She breaks down the benefits of what we can eat, when we can eat it, and the benefits and not so benefits of certain types of food that can actually mess with you. Guys, I am becoming obsessed with talking about hormones and how they impact us. And so today, I really freaking hope this episode brings you as much value as it did me. So guys, get your pen, get your paper. Let's get ready to figure out how the hell we use our hormones to become a freaking superpower. How we use our hormones, the thing that we've been neglecting, the thing that we've been moaning about, the thing that we always complain about. How do we use this to feel better about ourselves? How do we orient our How do we harmonize our hormones in order to use them to freaking show up to be the person we want to be? So guys, if this episode did bring you value, please tell your friends. We've got to start spreading the word on the importance of our hormones. We've got to start spreading the word that we've got to stop ignoring our bodies. And we've got to start spreading the word that our hormones are something to not play about with. That guys, if we finally take this seriously as our fifth vital sign then maybe just maybe we can freaking take our power and show up to be the freaking badasses that we want to be so without further ado let's get into it with today's episode of women of impact Welcome, Dr. Trevor Cates, to the show. Thank you. It's so great to be here with you. I am obsessed with everything that you talk about and where I want to focus on. Us as women, we suffer from acne, bloating, mood swings, insomnia, um, PMS. Like All these things really do impact us, how we feel about ourselves, and then how we show up every day in business, in our relationships. And I've heard you say it's common but not normal. So I want to start with what on earth are we perceiving as normal but isn't? And then what are the foods and things that we can do in our lives to immediately start to pivot and change all these like things that we're suffering from? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's just become so normal for for women to just talk about, oh, well, that's just part of being a woman. It's just part of aging. Part of getting older is another one that I hear a lot. And I think we we need to remember that our bodies are really wise. They're actually, we have all these tools in our body and we just need to reset it and get it back in harmony. And that some of these symptoms like you're talking about, they're signs that the body's out of balance. And because if you think about it, not everybody has PMS, not everybody has acne. In fact, there are places in the world where there's no acne. And um, so, and some women go right through menopause and don't have a lot of symptoms and have issues. And so it's not that we need to uh, beat ourselves up because we're, we have these issues, but realizing, oh wait, something is, is off here and I need to reset and restore my body. I love that because it gives us a way to, there's something you can do about it. That's the thing I'm always fighting against. Like I don't like feeling powerless like that. It it puts me in a place where I don't know where to move. So being able to go, okay, if I'm feeling like this, now what are the things that I can do brings me back to having the power in my own hands. And now it's up to me, right? Do I want to show up and do what you're going to tell us to do or do I not? And then now at least it's my decision. And that's so freaking powerful. So what are these things that you see are common that are not normal? And then I'd love to really pull apart what the hell we do about it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of it is the expectations that we have on ourselves. As women, we're constantly working at home and at work. We are taking care of everyone and everything. And we tr still try to find time to eat healthy and to work out. But then a lot of women are finding they're still gaining weight. They're not losing weight, no matter what, how hard they try. And so then they kind of beat themselves up and they just feel miserable. But this adds to our stress response. And so when we get stressed, I mean, stress is a normal thing and we're, our bodies are great at adapting to stress. However, if we never give ourselves a break and we don't fuel our bodies with the right food, with the right movement, with the right mindset, with those sorts of things, then we're going to burn ourselves out. And one of the things that happens with our burnout is our hormones get out of balance. And we have our stress hormones, we have our sex hormones, we have hormones that help us with appetite, with our blood sugar, with our sleep. All of these things can get impacted by being overly stressed and not taking care of our bodies. And it doesn't have to be complicated. There are simple things that people can do. And I do think that oftentimes we overcomplicate all the different things to eat or all the different types of skincare products to use or all the different ways we should meditate, all the different fitness routines. It doesn't have to be complicated. I think one of the things that is important to realize is that we want to honor our bodies. We have to decide that our bodies are important and that we are worth it. We are worth taking care of our bodies. We are worth feeling great. We deserve it. And once you get to that point, it's actually easier. Because you've made that decision. Yes, but one of the things that causes us to be able to feel in harmony and to want to take care of our bodies is actually goes back to our hormones and our neurotransmitters. Because when they're out of balance, it just, our brains just work differently. We just don't have the same ability to have confidence in our bodies and the emotional state to really take care of ourselves. And it's, it's interesting because it's this vicious cycle that we get in. We eat healthy, we are stressed out, we're not taking care of ourselves. So then these things get out of balance more. So then we keep making these decisions. So that's why I wanted to create with this new book, a seven day reset to say, hold on, just give yourselves seven days. It's not a lot of time, but let's back off of the things that we know aren't really fueling our bodies, really nurturing our bodies, and instead really nurture it and doing it in a seasonal way so that we get foods that are in season that are more nutrient dense. Being aware of what happens with the seasons and that you, you're, there are certain times of the year where you're gonna be more motivated because of this, the, the sun is shining more and you're getting more sleep. And those sorts of things impact our ability to get um, into the right habits that are gonna help us, our bodies heal. Okay, I want to go deep now on yes. everything you just said because you're, what I love about your book is it's very tactical. It's like this is what you can do, yeah. this is how you do it. And so I'd love to go over the four pillars that you break down and go really deep because you touch on food and sleep and all these things that we may um, not prioritize, we may not focus on. Um, and to your point of what you said that you end up making better decisions, you end up feeling better about yourself by really looking at the things that we're about to go deep on, you do make better decisions. You do do feel better about yourself and when you make better decisions feel better about yourself you're able to show up in a better way right with more energy more excitement and um, especially again I'm just going to keep saying this when it comes to business relationships career friendships all of this I think it does start with how you feel about yourself and then the decisions you make immediately after yeah absolutely so the, the reason why I wanted to go into these four pillars is that I feel like these are the most fundamental things on a day-to-day -day basis that make the biggest difference. But we also need to change them up for the season. So food, movement, mindset, and skincare. So let's start with food. Yes. I was just kind of touching on that a little bit about the fact that at different, in different times of the year, our foods can be more nutrient dense depending on what's in season. Now. I know there, we can get food from all around the world at any time and it's amazing. And so what ends up happening is we get stuck on eating the same foods over and over again. And a lot of times they're what we call superfoods. So they might be what we're considering to be a really healthy diet, but we're eating the same thing over and over again every day throughout the year. But those foods aren't necessarily going to be nutrient as nutrient dense because they're not in season. The other thing is when we eat the same foods over and over again, we're more likely to develop food sensitivities 
And also, it's not good for our gut microbiome. When we eat more diverse foods, and especially those in seasons when they're closest to the earth or to picking it from the tree, it actually helps our gut microbiome diversity. So our gut health is much more improved by eating in season and diversity. So how do people start to, to navigate? Because I just go to, sometimes it can be so overwhelming, it then people at home are just like, well, screw it, I'm just not gonna bother doing it. Yeah, right. Well, I've been seeing patients for 22 years and when I first came out of medical school, I would do these long programs with people and I was super strict and I'd say, this is everything that you have to do and you, we have to do this eight week program and this whole thing. And people would just get overwhelmed mm -hmm. and they'd stop. And then I realized that when you can commit to something in a shorter period of time, which most people can say, oh yeah, I, could, I can give up sugar for a week or cut back on it for a week at least. And when you can make the connection between how you feel and what you're doing, that's powerful. Because you can read all the books, you can listen to all the podcasts, but if you don't feel it yourself, mm -hmm. it's gonna be harder to make that change. So that's why I say just start doing it. Start somewhere, start with a week, see how you feel, because most likely you're gonna start noticing difference like my patients have. I didn't know my skin could look this good. I didn't know I could have this energy. I didn't know that that pain that I was experiencing was related to my lifestyle. Mm. I didn't know that my sleep was associated with the fact that I had that glass of wine every night and it was keeping me up at night. No, there, there are things that we're doing that are interfering and creating symptoms that we don't even realize that we're having. Mm. So when you stop doing some of these things and you do a kind of reset like this, it's amazing the signals and the messages your body will give you that it's happy. <laughs> yeah. So what are some of those symptoms that we don't realize we're having that this reset will help actually um, identify for us? So some of it's skin. A lot of it is skin. It's one of the easiest and sometimes the early warning signs shows up on our skin. So it could be acne. You're breaking out in acne. It could be dry skin. It could be redness or eczema breakouts, atopic dermatitis. Eczema is what I had as a kid. Um, I had a lot of that. And a lot of it can be food related so or lifestyle related. And so these are some of the things that show up on our skin. It can also be how we feel our energy level is a big one. If you start to feel really tired every time you eat, okay, that's a sign that maybe what you're eating isn't actually fueling your body. Mm -hmm. Even if what you're eating is a so-called healthy or superfood, it may not be what your body needs. So paying attention to the feedback that your body gives you. How are you sleeping at night? Sleep is a big one, as so many people are not sleeping. and. It is completely necessary to have that sleep at night to restore our bodies, restore our skin, to restore our brain, to restore our body so that we can make it through the day in the best way possible. So if you can't fall asleep at night, you're waking up during the night, you wake up in the morning and you don't feel rested, then those are signs that something's not quite out of balance. Again, don't beat yourself up if you're having these symptoms, but just realize, wait, something's not quite right here. Mm -hmm. So what can I do to get back in balance? Okay, I love that. Take an inventory of mm -hmm. where you currently are. So I think that that's a beautiful place for people to start. Of like, how, how do you feel when you eat? You know, one of the things for me is every time I would eat, I would just get stomach pain. And I'd be like, oh, it's just me. I guess it's just me. And then obviously now, six years later, seven years later, realizing, no, no, like you shouldn't be getting stomach pain. You shouldn't be bloating. That's another thing. Yes. Honestly, I was always bloated. I would look at women that had flat tummies and I'm like, how? I don't understand how they get flat tummies. I okay. thought it was, well, maybe I have to cut back on my calories. Mm -hmm. and I thought maybe you're eating too much, Lisa. Maybe you're just eating too much. And I wasn't like, at some point I was just like, I'm not, I'm tired all the time because I'm not eating enough, but I don't understand why I'm still bloated. And so eventually I was like, oh, I guess it's just me. Not realizing that for me, every time I eat broccoli, right, all the foods that I was told, you've got to eat these superfoods, mm -hmm. it made me feel bloated. And then in feeling bloated, I started to feel, like I feel groggy, I feel bad, and I don't feel energized, I don't feel confident. And so to your point of recognizing how it's feeling, I think is a great first step for people to take the inventory. Once you've taken the inventory then, 
in your seven day plan, how do people take that very first step? So let's say people are listening right now and they're like, all right, Dr. Trevor, I'm so excited. I want to reboot my hormones because I really want to show up and be confident. And I recognize this is a thing, but I, where do I start? What's that? It's day one. What do I do? Yeah, absolutely. So I do have a symptom checklist in the book. I think it's a good place to start. I also have a quiz. So hormoneseries.com slash quiz is a quiz that I have, have uh, women take to see kind of where they are and really do a full inventory of that because that, again, people oftentimes think, oh, acne is normal, PMS is normal, period pain is normal. Uh, not being able to get pregnant is, you know, like typical these days or w whatever the symptoms are, night sweats or hot flashes, insomnia. They, people oftentimes think or just moodiness. Oh, it's just, just you know, it's that time of the month or whatever. And, and you just kind of blow it off. Stop blowing those off mm -hmm. and make a list of them instead and say, okay, these are all my symptoms and I'm going to acknowledge them and know that they're there and that I don't have to live with these anymore. Mm. And so I think that's the first place because it's a motivating thing. Mm -hmm. If you can go, okay, that's all my symptoms and I don't need those anymore. The bloating, the, you know, not being able to lose weight, whatever it is, it, it you know, these are things that you can get a hold of. The, the first step is to do an inventory of what's going on with your body. Then the second thing is to really make a plan and make a commitment to, to sticking with that plan. And so for, for me, I think that seven days is a great place to start because I do feel like a week is easy to do and it's also enough time that you can start to see a difference in the mm. way you feel. Mm. And, and this is what I've noticed with my patients is when they make that connection, then they get to choose what, what they, um, you know, how they want to live. Like, do you want to be up all night what? with night sweats because you, you know, had that? But the thing is, is it's a very empowering and it's very individualizing. Mm -hmm. So people can learn for themselves, hey, I don't do well with broccoli, even though it's a superfood because I just don't digest it very well. And that's just an example. Most people seem to do really well with broccoli or you may find that steaming it a little bit makes it easier to digest. There are certain ways that you can change the food. That's why doing it yourself and following through a program you get that feedback. So at the end of the seven days, do the symptom checklist again. Mm -hmm. See, do an inventory check again. I'm still having these symptoms or these symptoms are better and these are the changes I made. And so making the connection between those can help you start making decisions of how you wanna go forward. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it's a very empowering thing to do where you're not just being told, this is the way that you have to eat because everybody else is doing it. Um, and so you might find, okay, well, maybe I do like keto or paleo or different things, but I'm going to modify it for me so that it works best for me because I'm going to give up this and this, but these things are okay. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I really appreciate you saying that because number one, I fought for years of how I felt versus what people told me I should do. Fought for years where I was just ignoring myself. So people would eat broccoli and all this food. I'm like, it just hurts my stomach. Mm -hmm. um, and then I remember like things like I realized, you know, if I eat earlier in the day and then I, you know, don't eat a few hours before I go to bed, I feel so much better. But it doesn't make sense because I've been, I've been told, you know, especially if you want to like make sure to keep your gut healthy, you eat six times a day. And if you're working out, it's really good. Right. So I was following a what I thought as being the quote unquote expert. And I was ne I was doing it blindly. And that was the thing. It's like I'm sure the, the advice actually did work for some people. And so that's why they're giving the advice. And I was so blindly following it because I just wanted the right answer. And I didn't think I could trust myself. Mm -hmm. How many clients do you find that um, that have that? And is it just like a process of taking inventory, keep on writing things down um, so that you can start to really highlight and identify? Because for me, I could convince myself based on what the experts were telling me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think it is important to honor our own bodies and what we each need and to have an understanding that uh, when you have a symptom, I think they have to go back to that. Pay attention to your body. Symptoms are a sign that something's not quite right. And they're not just a normal thing. And sometimes you might find that these are symptoms that 
they're, they're going to be constantly coming up for you throughout your life, that they're a tendency. And some of that's mm -hmm. a genetic predisposition. Like for me, mm -hmm. it's eczema for skin issues. Mm -hmm. And so I know sometimes if I had too much gluten or things that trigger that acne for, I mean, the eczema for me, I know that that's always going to be my tendency, but I don't mm -hmm. have it anymore because I choose to not eat certain foods that I know are my triggers. I choose mm -hmm. to improve, keep my gut health really health, healthy. I choose to use really clean skincare products that help support my skin microbiome. I choose these things so I don't have the eczema. So I think a lot of times people don't realize that they have that power of their own body. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. Hmm. So true. And now with you talking about our skin with our gut and how intertwined that all is, and then the power of the gut with hormones, like if we can break that down, I think it will really allow people at home to understand how things like food really impact how you feel and what your hormones are like. Because you explain very eloquently about what sugar does to you, what alcohol does, and you've got a surprising thing about caffeine. So if you wouldn't mind breaking those down of how they have that knock-on effect... Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, our skin, again, it's this, a lot of times we're just focusing on the outside of it, which I think we want to kind of flip it. So we want to focus more on the inside out, but also what we put on our skin is also important. So I think it's probably about, even though I make a skincare line, <laughs> I'm going to say um, about 80% comes from the inside. I really do think that most of our, the, our skin issues are from the inside out. But there, it's not the only thing. We don't want to just think about what we put inside our bodies, but also what we put on the, on the outside. But let's talk more about some of those things that you mentioned. So caffeine is interesting. So with, basically with anything, you want to weigh the pros and cons. And, and again, individualize it for you. But with caffeine, it is a central nervous system stimulant. So that means that 
activates our brain and it, and it activates our nervous system, which can make us feel very alert, but also it can overwhelm our nervous system too. So that's why we wanna be careful not to get too much caffeine. And we can usually feel that when your heart starts racing or when you feel jittery, you've gotten to that point where it's just too much. And for some people, they just can't have any caffeine at all because they immediately start to notice that feeling. They start to sweat. They're just, it just, just they're basically their body's gone into fight or flight mode. But for some of us, we're like a little bit of caffeine can actually keep us focused, and and so it's it's hard to give it up, right? So there actually is has been some positive research coming out on ca uh, coffee and caffeine, and that it can. Um, help with keeping our brains sharp as we age and also with helping prevent colon cancer. But again, we have to decide. Prevents colon cancer? Yeah, so, so it, because partly of how it helps with our digestion. And so I think, okay, so would fiber be a better option or caffeine? I'm going to probably go with fiber, but for people who don't get enough fiber in their diet, if they're drinking coffee, that might be one of the ways they, keep, they stay regular. Whoa! <laughs> That's so amazing. <laughs> so, but again, everything in moderation, <laughs> yeah. right? The one that I would say really doesn't have um, any beneficial research on it is sugar. No matter I how have... much we try it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean, dark chocolate, yes but you gotta take the sugar out. <laughs> right, right, right. So dark chocolate, which I love. I, I don't know if you're a big chocolate fan, but I am. I'm unsweetened actually, dark yes. chocolate, only because I've had gut issues. I couldn't eat chocolate for the longest time, yeah. and so I found the dark chocolate um, amazing. Yeah, yeah. so lots so well. of antioxidants mm. in dark chocolate, so, so that can be great. But you add the sugar in there. Sugar, there's just, there, there's no way around it. It's just not particularly good for our bodies. And I think more and more we're gonna see the impact of our blood sugar on a number of different health issues. And we're, mm. we are already seeing it, creating problems with our skin, with our hormones, with our weight, of course, we've been talking about that for a long time, but it's not just our weight anymore. And it's also our mental health, a lot of different things that impact us with our blood sugar. So what happens with our skin is that when we eat a lot of sugar or foods that spike sugar, is that it, it creates more glycation issues in the body, where glucose will bind to um, proteins in the body. In the case of skin, we're, mm. we're talking about collagen. So glucose mm. binds to collagen, makes it more rigid, less elastic, so that leads to the wrinkles oh. and sagging skin. So if, if there's no other, if you're, if you're like, I'm not worried about sugar making me gain weight, then maybe you might want to think about it with your skin and with aging, because it is one of the biggest age accelerators. It's also connected to acne breakouts because an increase in blood sugar increases our insulin, which then triggers excess sebum oils in our skin and androgen activity. So those are things that trigger the acne breakouts. So unfortunately, there's really no array around sugar. The good news is that there are alternatives to sugar that we can use. Um, things like, you know, stevia, erythritol, uh, monk fruit. There, there are different ones out there that aren't going to impact the blood sugar. Or if you use a little bit of honey or a little bit of maple syrup, it's probably okay. But again, we go back to the seasons, which interesting is that if you if you eat these sweeteners, like things like maple syrup and honey and uh, stevia and things like that, in, in when they're more in season, then you're not eating the same things all the time too. So which which is nice, you kind of mix it up. So um, and then you're supporting like your your local um, beekeeper or things like that instead. But so it's not like you can never have treats because I have recipes in my book for desserts and, and you know, mm -hmm. kind of treats. Uh, but it is something to think about. You definitely don't want to be having sugar added in everything. And part of the thing with sugar is it's not just desserts. Mm -hmm. It's in breads and, uh, you know, ketchup and sauces and, and dressings. Think we're, here we are trying to eat a healthy salad and there can be added sugar in our salad dressing. Where else is sugar hidden? Um, because it never dawned on me, to the point where when I first started going into the health world before, before Quest, 
I was told, oh, low carb actually is really good for you. So it's like, okay, what's low carb? Okay, it's rice. So me and my husband would go to a Chinese restaurant and order orange chicken without the rice because we thought that was low carb, not realizing that the whole sauce mm -hmm. is like dripping in sugar and it's coated in bread and it's deep fried. So I'm sure there's so many people right now that are just like, what? Hang on, salad dressing has sugar in it? So what other things are we not realizing has the sugar? Because to your point, we can be aware of it or we can say, hey, I'm not gonna eat that donut or cake and then still really be frustrated why your skin is bad, why you're still not sleeping well. And it could be these hidden things that we have no idea. Yes, I, I would think one of the things that people don't think about is what you're drinking. So mm -hmm. drinks a lot of times are loaded with sugar. And so there are people will drink like you know, a, a pre-made smoothie or something. And if you actually look at the sugar content on there, it's really, really high. Mm -hmm. Because fruit, when it's concentrated, can, can you know really spike our blood sugar as well. So look at the sugar content on things. Because if, if it's a packaged food, it'll say on there. And I think as much as we can, I, I know people a lot of times don't like making food, but as much as we can, start making your own food. If no other reason than when you follow a recipe, you realize how, many, how much sugar or honey or other things are going to be added into it to make it taste good. Mm -hmm. And that there are other ways to make it taste good. So that you understand that. But a lot of sauces, a lot of dressings, that we use and and baked goods, even if they taste more savory than sweet, mm. they add sugar to it. I know that you said about like, uh, you've talked about sweeteners. So sweeteners can actually be a way of disrupting our gut biome, correct? Yes, yeah. And so in these moments where we may say, oh, well, I don't wanna eat the real sugar because we've just spoken about it, or I'm not gonna have too much of it. Well, let me turn to artificial sweeteners instead. Um, can you talk to me a little about that and break down the, the detrimental things that artificial sweeteners have on our gut, which then of course has a reflection uh, impact on our hormones that have an impact on us? Yeah, absolutely. So artificial sweeteners, one of the, Different ones have different issues with it. There have been health concerns associated with the various ones. But one of the biggest things that I'm concerned about is that when we have an artificial sweetener, our body still thinks that it's having something sweet. So we can still get that insulin spike. And so you can still be susceptible to, to insulin resistance or blood sugar imbalances, even though you're having something that doesn't even have sugar. And, and there has been research showing that people that drink diet sodas still have weight problems. They still have difficulty losing weight. And I think we, we have to try and, you know, shake that, uh, you know, artificial sweetener thing. And it's not the same for things like erythritol and stevia and um, monk fruit, things like that. It doesn't seem to create the same kind of effect. Mm. However, at the same time, it's good when you start to kind of gradually decrease the amount of sweetness that you're used to. So, for example, if you're a big sweets person, just try cutting down the amount of sugar that you have in something, or if you're making it yourself, try cutting it back and putting in like a, some stevia or something else. And so what happens is your, your taste buds will adjust over time, and then you don't crave as much of the sweet thing. Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting thing that I've heard over and over and over again with my patients that they're shocked to hear about. Even when I tell them this is gonna happen and then they come back and they're like, I can't believe it, I thought you were wrong, there's no way that I was ever gonna be able to stop having sugar. And so it's just, you just try other things, try to get used to having just a little bit less over time and then you'll find that you just don't crave it as much. And then, in addition to that, if you can make the connection between the way you feel and eating sugar, then that's one of the most powerful things. Because I think we all want energy and vitality. We want to go and do all the things and have all those great relationships and go and travel and do all these fabulous things. But if we're constantly feeling tired, we just don't have the motivation to do it. Mm. And sugar is one of those things that's going to keep us from being able to do all the things. I'm so glad you said that because growing up, I've had a very unhealthy relationship with food. 
I grew up with a mum who was borderline anorexic and then went to be morbidly obese. She's now actually found her rhythm and like really, you know, focuses on herself and self-care. But growing up, I did have a very unhealthy relationship with food. And so for me, a lot of it, with especially with sugar and things like that, I wasn't having it out of fear. It wasn't because I was like, oh, it doesn't make me feel good. It literally was, I don't want to get fat. I don't want to get bad skin. I don't want to be teased or bullied because I already was. Um, and so sugar is bad. And so that was kind of my relationship with how I saw sugar. And it was a very unhealthy relationship until as I got older, to your point, I started to pivot. And I was like, instead of seeing it as quote unquote bad or like, oh my God, a fearful thing, just start to identify how not having it helps you feel better about yourself. Mm-hmm. And so as I started to cut out these foods, because I was having so many gut issues, um, I started to really orient myself to how I was feeling feeling and that was you know what you were saying was so beautiful and breaking that down on the the sugar if we can just identify how that has the knock-on effect now it's up to you if you want to feel badly by having that cake or not right that's kind of the empowerment thing that I love so much um and now I don't judge foods I don't even like to call foods good or bad I just like to say this helps me or this doesn't help me yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up because I know that there, that eating disorders are such a common thing. And uh, so often, especially as women, we'll get fixated on foods mm-hmm. and that something is bad or that we have to restrict and definitely don't want people to have that feeling. And that's why I say I want people to enjoy eating mm-hmm. and that eating, eating what the foods that help nourish our bodies in a way so that we can show up as our fullest self. And, and that we want that with relationships, we want it with our mindset, we want it with the, the movement, we want it with our personal care products, our self-care routine, we want it with our food, and it's really no different. And we don't want to ever feel deprived, what we want to feel is empowered. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why it's, it's really about shifting and it's not always easy to do that. But when you're reaching for a food, ask yourself, why am I reaching for this food? Because whether it's kale or mac and cheese, it's not that food that we're hungry for sometimes, it's something else. Mm -hmm. So what else is going there? And so I think that that's really important to address those things that if you feel, if anyone feels triggered by foods, if they are starting to feel like a food is bad, you're going where you're talking about, to get some help and support with that because that's not where you wanna be, have that kind of relationship with food because you wanna honor your body and know that what you're putting in it is what is going to be best for it. Mm-hmm. And you said it earlier, but this vicious cycle about if you're feeding your body um, unhealthy foods or foods that make it feel badly, then it impacts your hormones and then your imp- your hormones are impacting your mood. So now you may feel worse about yourself and so you feel worse about yourself so you go back to the bad food and literally it becomes this cycle that I think a lot of people feel trapped and they don't know how to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so that's why I, I wrote this book because I hear that so much and that we we stop trusting our bodies. We are told that our bodies are wrong, that symptoms are wrong. I think in the conventional medical world, we're, that's what we're taught. We're taught if you have symptoms, it's bad, we need to stop it. Like you have a headache, mm-hmm. take an Advil. Mm-hmm. It's bad, it's stop it. Um, but wait, why am I having a headache? Why did I get the headache in the first place? And so recognizing that you know if you're having these symptoms, that something, you know, something is often honoring that process. And, um, but that there are tools, there are ways to address these underlying causes and get your back into your body back into a harmonious place. It, again, it's very empowering and it, it affects you not only on a physical level, but also on an emotional level, because going back to hormones and neurotransmitters, these rule our our health in so many more ways than most people realize. And that's why I spend a lot of time talking about hormones and neurotransmitters in this book is that for women to really understand and how we, um, so much of medicine is based on male-centered research and that our bodies are extremely different. I mean, as women, 
we have very different hormones just sim simply because we're able to have or you know we're designed to have a baby whether we choose to or not but our hormones change throughout the month throughout our lives and it's important to realize that this research over here and so much of the conventional medical model is based upon men and that we are different and that we can honor our our bodies as women mm -hmm. and that we do have different changes and things that we go through so I bring this up because I think a lot of times we're, we're so, oh, well, you're just, you know, you're, you're getting ready to have your period. So you're, you're moody or you're making that food choice because of um, you have PMS or things like that. And, and yes, there is a connection, but that doesn't mean that we need to dismiss that that paying attention, like what is going on? Why, why am I having such bad pain mess? Why am I so moody? Why am I craving this thing? And to really look underneath that and then choose to honor our bodies in a nurturing way. And not to judge, I think, because yeah. um, you even said like, with your age, it also changes, right? So even within your cycles, um, in your 20s, in your cycle, in your 30s, and then your 40s will all change. And then I believe also, depending on whether you've had a child or not had a child. So um, really, I love the acknowledgement part of where you are. Um, I think so many of us, I'm gonna keep speaking for myself, keep looking back at when you were 20, it's like, well, I used to be able to do this. And now almost you have judgment on yourself that you're not able to eat the same foods that you used to be able to eat. Or let's say I, I was able to function on five hours sleep in my 20s. And now it's like, oh my God, I need nine hours. Otherwise I'm exhausted. Um, and instead of trying to um, stay where I was, I actually just accepted, oh, but this is just what you need now. Um, how many of us actually do um, stay in a pattern that we've adopted when we were younger that actually doesn't serve us as an older woman now. Like, are there certain things where it's like, oh yeah, as an older woman, and when I'm saying older, I'm like 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, <laughs> um, what are certain things that maybe we have to adapt that we're, um, that maybe you can help us, uh, warn us about, I don't <laughs> want to say warn us like a negative, but I'm always the person knowledge is power. So what are the things that we, as we get older, our cycles start, um, uh, need our body starts needing because of our age. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that a lot of women don't realize is that even in our 30s, our hormones can start to change, and that perimenopausal symptoms that can actually start in women. A lot of for a lot of women, they start in uh, our 30s, and but it's you know not something to be concerned about. It is some of it's natural, but there are also things that you can do to support the body. There are certain herbs, there are certain nutrients that you can do to help support different hormonal um, balance. But the thing that to remember is that if you're having symptoms early on, like you know in your teens, in your 20s around hormones, then it's going to, it's, it's a, it shows a pattern for setting you up for difficulties with other transitions. Mm. So if, if a woman is not addressing their hormonal imbalances, in their teens and 20s, then when they go to maybe they want to get pregnant, they might have difficulty getting pregnant. Or they might have a challenging pregnancy or really bad postpartum depression. Or when they get through menopause, for some women, that will be even harder. If they're, again, if they're not addressing these hormonal imbalances. So the earlier we start to look at these and balance them, the better. And birth control pills are not the answer. So a lot of gynecologists uh, put uh, women on, uh, young girls on birth control pills, even if they're not uh, sexually active for things like acne or period problems. But then these are the women that I end up seeing in my practice after they want to go off of them. Maybe they're trying to get pregnant or they're just tired of taking birth control pills and they come in to see me and they go off the birth control pills and all their symptoms come back plus the side effects that developed from taking birth control pills because it creates nutritional deficiencies, gut microbiome imbalances, so um, problems there, and also suppresses testosterone. It actually creates more hormonal imbalances. So then we have to kind of undo all of that that's been done. So I really think it's important for, for us to remember Birth control pills were made for birth control. Let's just let them be that and not try and use them for managing symptoms mm -hmm. because they're not actually addressing the underlying cause. 
yeah, what other disruptors are there um, in our lifestyle? So I know that like blue, uh, blue light, things like that. What are the things that we don't realize is actually interrupting our hormones that isn't having an impact on our life? Yeah, it's a great question. There's a whole group of chemicals called endocrine disrupting chemicals. They're hormone disrupting chemicals, and they're in a lot of places in our environment. They're in our air, our water, our food, personal care products, you know, cleaning products, a lot of different places. We find these endocrine disrupting chemicals, and there's been a lot of research that's come out about this group of chemicals and the exposure to them that it's been linked to a lot of different hormonal imbalances and issues like infertility, breast cancer, thyroid disease, um, early puberty, um, all kinds of things, even obesity because we're talking about insulin as a hormone, mm. right? And so there is, our hormones control so much of our health and our lives that we don't even think about, whether it's sleep, whether it's appetite, whether it's blood sugar, it's our sex hormones that have to do with our cycles and all of that. When we interfere with that, we're messing up a whole lot of things with the body. So what happens is these endocrine disrupting chemicals, they basically mimic hormones in the body. So we have an mm. en, um, a hormone receptor and these, these endocrine disruptors come along and they bind to the hormone receptor because the body thinks it's a hormone. Oh. And so it can make the body think, oh, I've got more estrogen than I actually have. And so that creates a whole cascade of symptoms, a cascade of problems in the body. Or if even if it doesn't mimic the hormone, it can change the way the hormone receptors work. And so it creates all kinds of havoc in the body. This is the bad news. The good news is that there are ways to um, reduce our exposure. And the good news is too that information is power, right? So we are exposed to more of these chemicals now than we ever have been because they're more chemicals being produced that have these endocrine disrupting effects. And then other chemicals have been around for a very long time, like lead, for example. We don't have leaded gasoline or leaded paint anymore, but it continues to exist in the environment. Mm -hmm. And also things like arsenic, and unfortunately, many of these things are still in our environment, so we're just getting bombarded in every direction. So the thing is, is that you think about places that you have the most control over reducing your exposure, and you focus on that. So the foods you eat, so that's one of the reasons why I talk about eating organic, mm -hmm. is that pesticides are, can be some of these endocrine disrupting chemicals. So reducing your exposure through that, filter, drinking filtered water so that you're not getting some of these um, heavy metals and other things in your water. Personal care products is another big one. Part of the reason why I created the Spot Doctor skincare line was to help my patients have an option for the you know really truly clean and truly natural skincare products and not getting exposed to that in their personal care products but you know a skincare product that they're actually going to enjoy not just that's free of the chemicals but they actually enjoy so that you know there's skincare products they're the cleaning products that you use so you have control over the food you eat the personal care products what you bring in your home so that's where you can start to reduce your exposure to things and I don't want to tell people this to discourage them, but that is one of the reasons why I really believe that we're seeing more things like thyroid disease, infertility, um, breast cancer, serious health issues related to our hormones. Yeah, and sanitizer, I've heard you say, is like basically has an impact. We think we're kind of helping ourselves, but actually it's also getting rid of the good bacteria. Yeah, so the thing is, is that our we know that our gut health is when we have an antibiotic, for example, we take an antibiotic, we're killing off harmful bacteria in the body, but we're also killing off beneficial bacteria. And we've learned this from antibiotics and that there, has been, there was an overuse of antibiotics and so doctors are trying to curb back on the amount of antibiotics they've used because we've realized the damage that we've done for people's gut health. And so the kind of the shift is happening away from that. What else can we do so we're not overdoing it with antibiotics? Because we do have lactobacillus and things like that in our, in our gut health that help our digestion. There's a gut, uh, also gut brain connection, helping with our brain health, gut skin connection. Our gut health helps our skin health. And so we definitely don't want that. And just like we're trying to reduce, you know, not use antibiotics all the time, like just 
use them when they're necessary, but not as much as we used to. We want to be mindful of things like, you know, these, you know, cleanser, the cleansing agents and hand sanitizers and things like that. They can also kill not only the harmful bacteria, but also the good bacteria. So you have to find a balance. And I'm not saying never use hand sanitizer because um, what I do is I just get one that's more of a natural version and I bring it with me. And if I need to use it, I have it. And the thing that you wrote in your book that I'd never heard of, and I've, I, I think of myself as like pretty knowledgeable now in this area, is you said leaky skin. Yes. What the hell is leaky skin? It's fascinating and I'm so intrigued by things like this. Um, so please enlighten us all on what the hell leaky skin is and how we can uh, look at it and do something about it. Yeah, so just like we were talking about that antibiotics or you know, you made that connection with your gut health. All these products that we're putting on our skin too can create issues. And because of this gut skin connection, when we have leaky gut, we're more likely to have leaky skin. So what leaky gut is, um, just to make sure everybody yeah, knows, you. is that uh, so our digestive tract lining is somewhat permeable to allow nutrients through. But when we eat certain foods or we take certain medications like antibiotics, it can create these larger gaps in our digestive tract. And so these particles are actually slip through and get into circulation. Our body then thinks it's got something foreign. So it'll create inflammation. It's basically an immune response. And um, so we can feel a lot of symptoms. You may have been feeling, you can even feel pain, you can feel bloating, a lot of different symptoms that you can develop. Well, our skin is similar in that it's somewhat permeable. Like when we put on lotion, it starts to kind of absorb. But when it becomes leaky, it actually absorbs more than it should. So you, whatever you're putting on your skin, these harmful toxins and things can actually get more into your bloodstream and you're more likely to develop skin issues. It's very common in people with eczema or atopic dermatitis. Mm. A lot of skin issues, they'll start to develop that leaky skin. So your skin becomes more irritated, inflamed. You tend to react to everything. This is definitely what happened to me as a child. Part of it was my gut and part of it was what I was putting on my skin. So what we can do is we can repair that and you start from the inside out with your gut health but also what you're putting on your skin to help heal that repair. And again, it goes back to these good microorganisms that live in our gut and that live in our skin. And we want to support them rather than just treating them all the same. So is leaky skin identified purely visually? So if it's there's a rash, there's something like that, because with your gut, you obviously can't see it. So I couldn't just go, oh, I've got a leaky gut. It was over months and months and months and years and years of testing and seeing and feeling and reading and, you know, things like that. So is it purely like leaky skin? There is some sort of visual signal. Yeah, so you're going to notice either your skin is really red and irritated. You're very reactive to mm -hmm. things. You may have eczema or hives or things that just show that you're constantly reacting and that's typically where you'll see leaky skin. And in moments like that, it's better not to put like perfume and stuff like that on? Absolutely, you wanna be very mindful of what you're putting on your skin because your skin is very irritated and inflamed, just like you, what you probably noticed with your gut is that you had to kind of tone mm -hmm. things back with your diet, eat a very bland, kind of simple diet until it heals and then you can start to kind of go back to normal, like normal or whatever your, your healthy, normal um, way of eating is, right? And so that's kind of how it is with skincare products. You might have to really cut back on a lot of the things that you're using, uh, but we want to choose clean things anyway. So then sometimes I feel like our bodies are so smart. They're just, they're just yelling at us saying, mm. pay attention. Mm. I need you to change what you're doing. <laughs> and that's part of it, even from when we started, right? With the signals that we think of as normal, so we don't see them as signs and signals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I, mean, I, I want to remind people that you can wake up in the morning and you can feel refreshed without having to get coffee. That you can actually get up and I mean, this is what's possible. And, mm -hmm. and if you're not there yet, that's okay. But this is what's possible. Because I think sometimes we forget because everybody's drinking coffee around us or something. So waking up, feeling refreshed, having energy through the day, whether it's to work out in the morning or to get started with work, and then um, being motivated to eat healthy foods and 
having a great like sex drive when you're ready to go to bed at night or wherever you're just with your partner to um, to have a normal appetite, not have these crazy, crazy cravings or have no appetite whatsoever. There mm. is a way to have this balance. And then when you go to bed at night to fall asleep, actually you fall asleep and you don't struggle and you don't ruminate and you don't stay awake and staying asleep throughout the night and then waking up in the morning again ready to do it all over again and and you know again don't beat yourself up if you're not there yet but i sometimes i think we forget what's possible because everyone we know is irritated and irritable and stressed out and they can't sleep and they're not having good sex life and they're not um their their skin is breaking out and they are living off coffee and and then having to unwind with alcohol at night it doesn't have to be that way i think sometimes we have to remember so that we can start reprogramming our 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 bodies and our brains that that we can feel really fabulous even even into our 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. I mean, hey, I'm planning to be at least 100. Um, Hell so, yeah, girl. Yeah, but not just to get there, yes. but actually feel great, to be up and moving around and to be sharp and smart and having fun. Oh my God, I love that. Go. So you just said a couple of things that I was like, well, you can't just leave us hanging like that. So obviously, like things like sex is very important, especially when it comes to relationships and bonding. So um, are there a little, couple of little things you can give us as tips of like how to keep your sex hormone healthy? So let's talk about our hormones for a second because there are a couple of hormones that I just mentioned these because a lot of times people don't think about these. One is cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone. And again, we're so stressed out right now, especially going through a pandemic and all of that's related with that. There's a, people have really typically have high, high cortisol. So we're, our bodies are in this state of stress. Well, when you're in state of stress, your, your brain isn't going to signal, yeah, now's the perfect time to have sex and to, you know, continue the species, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's gonna say, no, let's not do this now mm. because we're, it's a dangerous situation. So that's one thing is you have to think about how can you kind of curb the stress, at least for the evening or whenever it is, just to kind of what can you do to let go of whatever it is that's bothering you of the day and kind of let do some stress management around that. Let that go. So that's one thing that's really important. Another important hormone is oxytocin. Oxytocin is one of my favorite hormones because it's known as like the love or the cuddle, the cuddle hormone. It's actually when women give birth, it's the hormone that's released when women give birth to yeah help them bond with their baby. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, so when they're when they give birth and when they're breastfeeding, they release oxytocin to bond with their baby, and that's why you know people just like that connection they we have with the baby is is that's partly why and why you kind of forget how painful labor and delivery was i didn't realize yes. so oxytocin is also released during orgasm it's also released during touch and intimacy mm. so if you can get your oxytocin going it'll help you bond with your partner so when you feel that connection especially as women when you feel that connection it makes you feel more in the mood so mm. You might need to just build up to it a little bit. So unwinding a little bit to help reduce the cortisol and the stress response and a little bit of touch, maybe some massage, you know, just to kind of help get in the mood. Don't expect to just hop right into it. Yeah. Oh, God, I love that so much. <laughs> um, and then you also I'd love to quickly touch on sleep because it's the unsung hero. I keep saying this, but like we we haven't put as much time, effort and energy into focusing on sleep as being um, a massive pillar of what allows us to um, feel energized, to feel good about ourselves and then obviously have that knock on effect of being a badass. <laughs> um, so what are the things for sleep that we do wrong and then how do we correct things? One of the biggest things that we do wrong is to beat ourselves up about it. Because I think a lot of times people will have difficulty falling asleep and then they're just ruminating, oh my gosh, I can't believe I can't sleep. If I don't sleep, then I'm going to, you know, and then you get into this vicious cycle, this rumination, and that is not going to help you fall asleep. Mm -hmm. So distraction can sometimes be a good thing. And remember also, same thing with cortisol. If it, it should be higher in the morning to get us going for the day, but it should drop off at night so that we can fall asleep. And so if you're really stressed as you're trying to get go to bed, it's not going to help set you up for a good night's sleep. 
The other big thing with hormones is melatonin. A lot of people have heard about taking melatonin as a supplement. But when you think about how do we trigger our own natural melatonin, and that is having to do with the light. So if with today's world, it's great that we can stay up and watch TV all night or have lights and things like that, but it also completely suppresses our melatonin. So another thing is to dim the lights, turn off the electronics as you get closer to bedtime. Shut down the laptop, shut down the phone, and just you know read an old-fashioned book. Yeah, <laughs> Get a copy of Natural Beauty Reset. Right Beauty Reset. <laughs> and, um, and do something more relaxing. Take a bath, listen to soothing music, have a nice conversation with your partner or someone that you live with. And to just kind of have it be more of a soothing time so that it helps you shift into bed. And then also the, the lights really doing that. It's another big thing I talk about in my book as far as seasons because in the summertime, the days are longer. So we may have a harder time sleeping, falling asleep at night because we have such long days. People might find that actually is easier to sleep in the wintertime when the days are shorter and we have more darkness. It's when darkness is actually on our side is in the winter months. And so it can be realizing when you're in a different season, realizing that can sometimes help you go, okay, I might have to go a little bit, bed a little bit later in the summer and go to, you can go to bed earlier in the winter, but then, you know, realizing that working with the light can actually be beneficial. Mm -hmm. And one thing that's really interesting that I think a lot of people don't know is that when it's a full moon, it, research has shown that it causes people to be uh, more sleepless. So if, you're, if it's full moon time and you're having difficulty falling asleep, don't beat yourself up about it. Again, it's because it's a full moon. That light, that amount of light can trigger people to stay more it's awake. It's the light from yeah. the moon? Wow, I didn't realize that. Um, so what can people do? Is it is it better than when it becomes a full moon? You're better off to... Um, take more melatonin? Like what can you do? Yeah, you could take some extra melatonin to help you sleep. And I think a lot of times people think the only thing to take supplement-wise for sleep is melatonin, mm -hmm. but there are actually a lot of other things can be beneficial. What I find is that melatonin doesn't actually work for everyone. For some people, mm -hmm. they, they develop um, nightmares and, and yeah, some people actually, it's one of the side effects of melatonin. So uh, disturbing dreams and nightmares and some people still feel so groggy in the morning that it, it it's may not be for everyone you may actually have enough melatonin production mm. and it might be more cortisol or for women progesterone because that starts to decline as we get older so there are other things like valerian is an herb that could be really valerian, valerian. it's very relaxing um, it's actually what originally what a, a Valium was made from. Oh, is really? a, a valerian. A lot of medications are actually, or at least originally, made from natural substances. It doesn't create the same effect as Valium, <laughs> but the idea is it's very soothing. It's very calming. And even if you take it during the day, it's not necessarily going to make you fall asleep, but it takes that edge off. Or um, other other herbs like ashwagandha. That's one of the supplements that we make. Is um, as we call it, stress adapt. And you could take it really any time, but it, again, it kind of takes that edge off so you don't feel so agitated. So sometimes it's more of that that's ha having people, people having difficulty falling asleep than melatonin. But sometimes it is melatonin, and so a melatonin supplement could be beneficial. Oh yeah, that's super powerful to remember. Um, you even said earlier, take a bath um as a way to kind of help and i used to think that taking a bath was to relax you so it's like it tells your muscles to relax but i actually heard you talk about it's actually the body temperature yeah a little bit of both so one of the things i love is something like an epsom salt bath with magnesium because that helps relax your muscles so that this the that there is something too that actually can be relaxing but yeah the temperature change from going from a warm bath to going outside of the bath and the te your temperature drop is a signal for your body, your brain signal for that it's time for sleep. Mm. So you can also lower the thermostat in the evening. Um, a lot of women appreciate that, especially as they're like perimenopausal and menopausal oh. to help with reducing night sweats and hot flashes. So adjusting that thermostat also is a nice way to help signal your body it's time for sleep. And that's why I give a lot of different ideas to that in this book and Natural Beauty Reset with food, movement, mindset, and skincare. And 
even with mindset, there are different times of the year where it might be more challenging. So like, for example, um, our cortisol levels tend to be, our stress hormones tend to be higher in the winter time than in the summertime. In the summertime, we tend to have a little bit less stress. We're outdoors more, we're probably vacationing some more, or we have longer days in the summer. Right. A lot of it goes back to the sun. And so even living in some place like LA, where you don't really have as much of the seasons, there's still a change in the length of the day, mm. the positioning of the sun, how close it is to you or how far it is away from you. So you still have an impact in the seasons, even though you don't really notice as much in your environment. So it still can impact your hormones, it can still impact your sleep and impact the food quality of things around you. So it, it's still an interesting perspective because I think a lot of times people say oh well I don't really have four distinct seasons so I don't know if that's going to matter much for me but it actually matters a lot more than most people realize mm, which I love because that goes back to well don't rely on the weather to make you feel good <laughs> you can actually do things to make yourself feel good yes ah oh, Dr. Trevor I could literally talk to you forever <laughs> I you've given us so many tactical very succinct things that we can do in order for us to show up every day and freaking live the lives that we want and impact our hormones to make us feel better to be able to go out and crush the world so um in departing, if someone's listened to this and they've listened to it all the way through and they're like, all right, I've got it, but like, it feels very overwhelming. I just need that one thing to start with. What can they do right now, today, as soon as they stop watching this video? Yeah, absolutely. Well, when you look at these four pillars of the food, movement, mindset, and skincare, that you could pick one of them and just pick one thing that we talked about today that you can start doing. Whether it's food and you're going to start looking, going to your local farmer's market and kind of see what's in season and take home some nice fresh produce. Whether it's skincare and you want to change up your routine, cut out some of those toxins, those endocrine disrupting chemicals. Whether it's moving your body more, getting out in, in nature and you know getting out and moving your body. Whether it's mindset where you're like, oh, you know what, I need, I need to help reduce my stress because that's impacting how I feel and the choices I make. So choose one, just pick one and start moving in that direction and then you can choose another one the following day. And that's why mm. in seven days, you'll be picking up a lot of different great different habits and, when, and just really noticed how you feel because that's what's gonna help make a long-term change. Boom. Guys, guys, go check out her book, Natural Beauty Reset. Honestly, it's chock full of everything we just spoke about and recipes so you don't feel like you're actually having to sacrifice. You can have it all with this book. So seriously, go check it out. And guys, if you're not following me, follow me at Lisa Bilyeu. If this episode brought you value, please, please do subscribe, like, comment, tell your homies about Women of Impact. And until next time, be the hero of your own life. Peace.